It was our pains that he carried, our disfigurements, all the things that were wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him. It was our sins that took him to the cross, that ripped and tore and crushed him. It was our sins. He took the punishment that would make us whole. Through his bruises, we gained healing. We were like sheep who wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing. Can somebody say amen? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. AZ.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. We're going to be in Isaiah. If you do have your Bibles, you can turn there, Isaiah 53. Years ago, when I first got saved, I, I went into a Christian bookstore, and hopefully we found a, a good picture of it. Uh, and I went to the bookstore, and I, I saw this picture. Is, and you can put it up there if you can, Olivia. And the picture just very simply said this. I asked Jesus how much he loved me. And he said this much as he stretched out his hands to die. I, I want us today to remember. We're going to leave this picture up off and on through the service. I want us to remember how much you and I were worth. How much. While we were still sinners, Christ dies, is what the Bible says. I want us to remember how much. That little poem brought tears to my eyes, and still today, when I think about it, I think about the Garden of Gethsemane, when we go there in, in, in Mark and Matthew and the different places that it's recorded, and Jesus is praying, and he says, Lord, Father, if there's any other way possible, let this cup pass from me. But ladies and gentlemen, I, I think that we all in this room are so glad that he concluded his prayer with these words, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. In my life and in your life, can I ask you a question? Do we really understand what Jesus did? Today, around the world, there's a lot of protest going on because a lot of people blame the Jews for killing Christ. They blame this sect and that sect for putting Christ to death. But you know, my Bible still says that he laid down his life. Nobody took it. There was a Broadway musical for some of us that are older 
from many, many, many years ago, and the actress's name was a very famous woman by the name of Mary Martin, and the musical was called South Pacific. They actually made it into a, 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 a filming thing, a movie, yeah. They told me when I got older these things would happen. I just didn't realize it happened so much. Mary Martin had an experience that forever sealed her career as a Broadway great. Oscar Hammerstein, who, who had wrote the, the play, was at that very moment on his deathbed. And he sent a note to Mary Martin and said these words, A bell is not a bell until you ring it. A song is not a song until you sing it. Love in your heart, listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, is not put there to stay. Love is not love until you give it away. At the end of Mary's performance, she put on a breathtaking performance that evening. At the end of her performance, many of her friends running backstage, blinking back the tears. Mary, what happened tonight? It, it, was, it was outstanding. It was, it was a tremendous. And she just, with tears running down her face, she said, tonight, I gave my love away. John 15 says there is no greater love than one would lay down his life for his friends. In John chapter 11, we find the scripture before the crucifixion when they were plotting to kill Jesus. And Caiaphas was there and he said, don't you realize that it's expedient that one man should die, that the whole nation not be destroyed? Did Caiaphas know something, even though he did not recognize Christ as the Messiah? Did Caiaphas know something? Oh, yeah. He was quoting Scripture. He was quoting from the Torah that one man had to die. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, I came to give my life a ransom for many. When the disciples were trying to talk him out of it in John chapter 12, Jesus' response to them was, what do I say, Father? Save me from this hour? Listen to what he said. No, for this purpose I came. Ladies and gentlemen, he did not come to live. He came to die. That you and I could live. From the beginning it was set that this was the purpose. 1 Peter 1 says that he was, found, he was chosen from the foundation of the world. Revelation 13 echoes the same sentiment in Luke chapter 4. Let me give you the clarity, folks. They couldn't kill him if they wanted to, and they did. In Luke chapter 4, look at it. Jesus had just gotten done preaching at the synagogue. He takes the, the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads and he ends his reading with saying, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Where he said, I came, that I was given for the poor and the afflicted. I was giving for the, given for the lost. I was given for the salvation of mankind. He said, This day. And they started shouting blasphemy. Listen, there was dozens, if not hundreds of them, and they drove him out of the synagogue to an edge of the cliff. Now, look at me. I don't know about you. But if there's one person, Andrew, you're the dude, and they're trying to kill you, you got a few hundred, how many think it would be hard to throw Andrew off that cliff? 
it wouldn't be hard at all. But you see what the scripture says? He walked right through the crowd. They couldn't do anything. Why? You can't kill love, number one. And number two, you cannot kill. Oh, oh you got to get this. You cannot kill the plan of God. God has a plan for your life. Oh, you might screw it up. You might. I said that, didn't I? Yeah. You might blow it. You might mess it up badly. But you can't kill the plan of God. God will work his plan in your life if you will let him have your will. Can somebody say amen? John 7, the Bible says that the Pharisees sent the temple guard to take Jesus. And they came back empty-handed. And look what they said in John 7. What do we do? No man ever spoke like this man. Ladies and gentlemen, he was not our martyr. He was our savior. In Luke 19, it says he came to seek and to save those that were lost. In Hebrews 10, said God didn't want animal sacrifices. He prepared a body for me, and I came to do his will. Jesus was quoting the 40th Psalm. Isaiah 53 reads this way, and I'm reading this out of the message translation. And maybe it gives a little bit of a picture. Who believes what we've seen or what we heard? Start with the first verse. Who would have thought that God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God. Listen to the way the writer describes Christ. A scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. The original language said there there was nothing that gave glory to Christ's appearance. There was no adulation. He was just a dude. Oh, that's sacrilegious to call Jesus just a dude. If he was standing here, he'd say, yeah, but I'm a dude of dudes. Look what it says. There's nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. He was a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and the people turned away. We looked down on him. We thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains that he carried, our disfigurements, all the things that were wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him. It was our sins that took him to the cross, that ripped and tore and crushed him. It was our sins. He took the punishment that would make us whole. Through his bruises, we gained healing. We were like sheep who wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing. Can somebody say amen? We've all gone our own way. And God piled all of our sins, everything we did wrong, on him. On him. He was beaten. He was tortured. But he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to slaughter, like a sheep being sheared, he was silent. Justice miscarried, he was let off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of his own people. They buried him with the wicked, 
threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never heard a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with pain. The plan was that he'd give himself an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life. Life. And more life. Doesn't this read really good? And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of the terrible, terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad that he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my righteous servant, will make many righteous ones. As he himself carried the burdens of their sins. Therefore, I will reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest honor, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch, because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his own shoulders the sin of many. He took it up. The cause of all the black sheep. What a description of what he did for you and I. You see, if I can take you back 2,000 years and remember, what I remember is this very clear thing. True love costs everything. True love costs the highest price of mankind. I remember Johnny Hart. He was, a, he was a, an editorial cartoonist. I remember the Johnny Hart strips. Johnny Hart died a few years ago, but he was a, a man that loved God, and he would write he would write his love for God in his, his cartoon strips over and over and over. The cartoon strip was called B.C. Remember B.C.? One day, one of his scripts had the picture of two ants talking. And the, the text in the script says, Jake, do you love me enough to die for me? And Jake responded, sure, honey. And she thought about it for a second and said, do you love me enough to die for me if I wasn't even born yet? And this was Jake's response. That's, that's asking an awful lot of a guy, isn't it? And she pondered for a moment and she said, yeah, some guys. And then the strip pulls back and the two little ants were sitting on a cross. Do you love me enough to die even before I was born? Do you love me enough to die even when I wasn't worth it? Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love for you and I. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died. There's a true story of a little boy that was taken to the hospital because a couple years earlier he had he had, had a near-death experience from a disease that had killed multitudes. The boy recovered, but now his little sister is facing the same disease that he faced. The doctor came to Johnny and he said, Johnny, you're the ideal donor. Would you like to give your blood for your little sister? The boy hesitated for a moment. His lower lip started to tremble, and then he pulled himself together. He said, sure, doc, I'll do it for my sis. Well, they brought Johnny in, the picture of robust health, and his little sister was there, frail, broken. You could see she was on death's door. And they 
hooked up all the hoses and all the different machines necessary. And Johnny was just there, just a man of man in a little boy's body. And all of a sudden, as the ordeal was almost over, Johnny's brave little voice, shuddering, broke the silence and he said, Doc, when do I die? It was only then that the doctor realized the hesitation, the reason. Johnny really thought he was given his life for his sister. And for a moment in time, all it took the little boy, he made the greatest decisions. Ladies and gentlemen, 2,000 years ago, in a place called Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, is there any other way? But he said, no. Dad, they're worth it. Look at somebody and say, Jesus thought I was worth it. I enjoy writing poetry. I enjoy writing songs. And, and I've written a host of them over the years. But many years ago, I was putting together a Christmas, a sermon for Christmas. And immediately, God took me to remember what it might have been like that first Christmas. And God gave me this poem, and it's in your notes. In a manger, a stable of livestock and hay, the Savior, the Christ, was there born and lay. His eyes filled with tears of a secret unknown told by the prophets in a world not yet shown. A promise, a future, a hope through his blood spoke by the Father through his Son, by his love. The tears as they fell told a, story, told a secret that day of a time for man with all sins washed away. No more pain, no more sorrow for tears that would fall in a manger in a stable. A baby's eyes saw a vision of suffering, a vision of pain, a vision of heartbreak, a vision of shame, a vision through eyes once filled with tears of mankind's sorrow and grief through the years, a vision of hope for mankind once lost, and baby's tears at Christmas, his eyes saw the cross. Let me wrap this up before we do our presentation. You see, there's something that you and I need to remember. At his birth, he knew what he was here for. As he grew, he knew what he was here for. As he prayed at Gethsemane, he was praying the depths of his physical life, his humanity. Dad, I've watched him die. I know what that's going to be like. Is there any other way? Yet he knew why he was here. You see, Jesus wasn't looking forward to Calvary. He was looking past Calvary. Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. You know what the joy was? March 31st, 2013, Victorious Life Christian Center filled with people celebrating because they remember. Celebrating because they remember. There was a man that was a traveling salesman and 
traveled all over the country, would leave his wife many, many times. 2,000 years ago, Jesus left heaven. One of the few times that he did. You say, Pastor, can you tell me about that? After service, come talk to me. I'll tell you all about it. There's several times in the Old Testament we see Christ coming to the earth. But when he came 2,000 years ago, he came understanding, I'm laying down my life. It was more than just him forgetting his plans and his desires. It was a planned, poignant, purposeful expression of God's love. And I believe with every lash of the whip, under the weight of the cross, every step of the pain and suffering, he remembered why he was there. Thinking about the victory he was giving. Every mile he went, I can picture that he was stepping and saying, I'm laying down my life. That jewel can pick up hers. I'm laying down my life. That Brandon can pick up his. I'm laying down my life. That Ann can pick up hers. That's what he did for you and I. And a picture that I like to say, the letter, this message was titled God's Love Letter. How many have ever written a letter before you started emails? Did you ever sign with a postscript, a PS, on your letter? Anybody ever do that? that? It was kind of an afterthought, but it really wasn't an afterthought. On Calvary, as Jesus was hanging there, the Bible says that he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then he said these words that changed our life forever. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he said it was finished and gave up the ghost. A salesman was traveling across the country and he was talking to his wife on the old coin-operated telephones. They have some around town sometimes. He got done with the message, hung up the receiver and walked away and all of a sudden the phone started ringing. He went back to the phone to answer it, figuring he probably had a and information of extra charges. But the operator said, no, no, no. I just thought you would like to know, just after you hung up the phone, your wife said, I love you. At Calvary, as Jesus was hung up on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The last thing Jesus wanted you to know, wanted I to know, that we mess up sometimes, folks. But he said, Dad, would you forgive them? They don't have a clue what they're doing. I don't know what that does to you. That, that, that gives me great, great victory. That God loved me enough to maybe just add an extra thought up there that when I fall short, that he took care of the penalty all the way. Can somebody say amen? 
Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.